today on Hype Woman, the podcast, we chat with Karen Eltfest, a principal advisor and executive vice president at Eltfest Personal Wealth Management, a company she runs with her husband and son. Together, her team manages over a billion dollars in client assets. Karen started in the 80s with few female colleagues. She recognized that financial advice for women was needed, especially women going through changes in their lives. Welcome to Hype Boom, the podcast, Karen Altfest, all the way from New York, chatting to us about how she overcame gender bias in her industry, which is financial wealth asset management. And, and you've been in this industry since the 1980s and you've made a, a name for yourself yeah, in the Big Apple. Tell us, what was that like? It's hard getting started and sometimes you have to use those elbows and uh, get to the table with everybody else. And very often in the 80s and even 90s, I was the only woman in the room and that didn't uh, daunt me. Fortunately, I had grown up in a family where the men did a lot of this and especially when it came to money and planning for the future and it just never felt that comfortable (laughs) to me so I married my husband Lou who was an accountant at the time and then went to Wall Street and then started our firm our our wealth management firm and he never really liked being accountant I was one of those women who thought good he's an accountant he can do all this and uh, (laughs) it didn't last very long I I feel that a lot of the women that I knew and I grew up with were stuck in time warp and I could have been like that too and just left it to my husband and done it and then I struggled to get free of that and took every opportunity and I just worried about the women who weren't doing that because I, I still meet them and how many years later it is and I'll meet women who either don't know anything about finance yeah. or don't want to interrupt their husbands and, and tell them that maybe they do know something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't want to confess and tell them that. And they <laughs> delegate things to the men in their lives. And that's very troubling for me. I don't think that they're totally happy and comfortable with it. Yeah. And even for women for whom it's really the answer, it's good while it's good. If something happens to the guy, if something happens to your relationship, if things change in any which way, you're going to be left all alone (laughs) at the starting gate. It's so interesting that you say that because exactly my thoughts when I think about money and and. I also resonate with what you said, like growing up in a family where we have a family business, but always the finance was always like taught to the boys. And yet I go and I study law and I, I work in work with companies, helping them with their budgets, but still look like in the family side, like you're just always out of it. How do you, how do, how do you tell women uh, or empower women to communicate better about money, about their standpoint towards money? There are a few ways. Uh, There's one way that I think for women to use in their own lives. And there's another way for women who might think of finance as a career or might think it's not an appropriate career. I have a lot of men clients who will come and say, my wife just isn't interested. She's not going to come to the meetings. And and sometimes we insist and guess who does all the talking? It's the wife. (laughs) He never asked her. It wasn't that he was a bad man or he wasn't a nice man. He just didn't think of asking her. He just assumed like his friend's wives, she wouldn't be interested. And once you turn loose, she was very interested. So I think 
you have to find people where they are, what interests them. If it's planning the family dinner or planning yeah. the family vacation to start off, it's, it's enough quite another thing to say, listen, you take care of everything and I'm never going to help you or, or, or we're never going to talk about it. And so that's not a good thing, but to find one thing that the woman's interested in and say, you plan the next yeah. vacation probably we don't want to spend more than x dollars and so you find a place to stay and things to do and whatever and I'm pretty sure it'll grow from there you know once you have the feeling of I can do this and it's even nice it comes out more my way so it's good and the other side is for women who think they can't be in this career I do Uh think that they've been taught that yes the men can do it they can't do it they're not welcome they're not going to rise I had when I was in college, I had a job like that, too, at a bank where they told me that I couldn't go any further, although really, I was pretty much the best one there, maybe because I was the only one in college. Didn't have <laughs> <laughs> but they said, well, do your job now. That's fine. And so I lasted the year just to make a point. I felt that was yeah. my time the last year. And then the next year, I looked for a different part-time job while I was in college. But it just didn't feel right. But women have always been told that. And they're made to feel that you don't know anything. You don't know as much as the guys. And I think this is a really great profession for women. First of all, it gets them thinking about their own lives. But second of all, women are, are, are terrific at this business. Our clients call up and say, do have a woman I could work with, which just makes people much more comfortable. Women are used to multitasking <laughs> for sure and are used to being great communicators. And that's a, the biggest complaint our clients have about their current advisors when they come to us. Not that he's doing everything wrong because he may not be, but he doesn't tell me what he's doing. <laughs> well, he doesn't yeah. tell me why he's doing it. He doesn't yeah. tell me what it costs me. It doesn't tell, he, he just never calls me back. Yeah. So I hear those things a lot. And I suspect that wouldn't happen nearly as much with a woman advisor. <laughs> wow. You're in this business with your husband. And what did you learn from him? Because I, I know in most relationships where one is in a certain industry and the other is in a you learn by osmosis. You like talking about it all the time. And then you pretty much have half a law de- um, half a medical degree now talking to my husband about all the operations that he sits in on. <laughs> and, and he probably had, you know. It's very funny that you say that because <laughs> our son is, we made him the president of our business. He's been there about 18 years. He came right after college and he's 40 now. And so he's the president. And when he first came in after college, I thought we've been talking about this over dinner much too much. <laughs> you yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> this is not good. We didn't plan this. Our goal was not to steer our son into the family business, but he loves it. He's very good at it. He's yeah. taken all the uh, exams and things to be perfectly qualified and he's taking the business in new directions. So that's fun for me. But working with my husband, he was the advisor. He had come from a Wall Street background. I have a PhD in history, which yeah. was very great. I was good at problem solving, but I didn't know that much about finance. So I had to work hard to catch up. Yeah. And where he was most helpful, and I didn't really uh, go to the certified financial planning courses, I did self-study because yes. I had an expert. I could go to the next desk and say, what do I do about this? You know? No, why not? <laughs> Yeah, he was very tough. I took advantage of that. So that was nice. And it was somebody always to talk with. A family business isn't for everybody, but I love being in a family business. I never, I have a friend who uh, 
who's a her, she's married to a scientist. She's uh-huh. a very smart woman, but she has no clue what he's doing. But I know exactly <laughs> what my husband's doing, and I I know who he's doing it with. And but we have no great boundaries. So some of the people we love most to go to dinner with or to the theater with are our clients as well as our friends. So, so it's, they've become our friends over long periods of time. And so that's nice that we both like those people or we both know those people. He doesn't have to introduce me to, yeah. because he was yeah. also, uh, until last year, he was teaching at nights at a university who was teaching graduate students and finance, of course. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and if I went to something to support him, a couple of times a year as a spouse should do he had introduced me to all these people and that wasn't as much fun for me as this is <laughs> nice it reminds me of my parents business as well and it's so interesting that you talk about not being able to separate the work and the personal life because here in Europe like it's the complete opposite but would you say that has helped you source and get new clients or is there a specific customer journey before you get someone to trust you with their wealth. Well, that's really what it's all about. You know, I mean, you, you could have wonderful credentials and if you ignore somebody when they walk in or you do something wrong and you may not even know what it is, uh, or you could have all the synergy in the world. You could each have a German shepherd. You could even <laughs> vacation in the same place or whatever it is and still click. So part of it's a very personal thing. And uh, this past year, we actually have had a lot of webinars for new groups of clients. And it's benefited us in that a lot of clients like to poke at the, <laughs> the place they're going to. They wanted a corner from them. But once they were doing virtual meetings, it didn't matter how far away it was. Could have been yeah. around the corner or could have been across the country or maybe even farther than that. So that helped us. But it, we do prefer when people come into our offices and can look us over and we know where they're coming from. And there, there's a lot of human interaction and body cues that you get and everything. And so sometimes people... It's like going to the doctor, unfortunately. <laughs> so sometimes people are a little nervous walking in and they don't want to tell you everything. You can't go to the doctor and say, you can't look at my arm or my throat or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but I expect you to tell me what to do. But it's the same thing with uh, brokerage statements, yes. bank statements, tax returns. It's very personal business. But I find that we generally connect. We People will call us up and after a, a conversation on the phone, most of them will come in. And if they're coming in, then that part is partly done for sure. It's yours to mess up if you want. Yes. Any connected. Speaking of personal, like I've heard that you have a salon in your office for women to come in. That? I know that's my special treat. I love that. Uh, we have a lot of big conference rooms and but I when we moved there about six seven years ago I said I was taking this little room on purpose and making it into a very comfy like a, a Victorian parlor you know not exactly <laughs> you can't get one but you, you it has these really big comfortable chairs that you never want to get out of 
And it's so it's nice for four people at a time where some of our conference rooms ha- can have 40. So it's just very comfortable and nice. And I find that women ask if they could go into that room and they say they want to tell you something personally. Like sometimes I'll meet with another advisor and it could be a different person, a younger person, an older person, a male person or whatever. So they'll say, but just you. And then they'll tell me how their son's getting divorced or how there's something really personal, but they find that's a good spot. They could sit in a big conference room and tell you that, but this is a very personal space. And that's really what I had in my mind. And there's no technology in that room at all, not a clock, not a phone, unless you bring your own cell phone. But it's just the tea, teapots and museum books and just relax in your chair and say what you want to say. And part of the customer journey. That's super interesting and very fascinating. Um, I know, and the good thing is that just uh, so you'll know, because I was surprised, I expected to explain this over and over when we were building up the space. And uh, all the men in the office said, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, so. that's, that's such an amazing, it's such a good idea. I, I would love to come visit. So yeah, so are you in on secrets of rich women? Do you hear any, what are the secrets that rich women have? How does a young working professional think about their future or plan their financial future? Those are excellent questions. One of the secrets is that rich women don't feel rich enough. And it's hard because say, Say you you came to us and you had, I don't know, less than a million dollars. And now you've you've saved money and we've done well in the markets or whatever. Maybe you have three or four million. You never want to give any of it back. Say, oh, we had a bad year, so I have a hundred thousand less for now, but it'll grow again. Nobody wants to give any of it back. I I was called by a client of mine who, who comes from a family of wealth and she was buying a sofa. And she said, well, should I buy this one that's, I don't know, very little more, like $500 yeah. more to because you could put your feet up or, or whatever. And she didn't want to treat herself that well. And I assured her that if she didn't buy it, one day she would leave all the money for her daughter who would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she still didn't buy it. So oh, my word. She's very parsimonious. She she saves dollars and I don't know if she saves pennies, but she saves dollars and she never feels secure. It's not that she doesn't feel she has enough. She doesn't want more money. She doesn't want anybody else's money. She knows she could take a vacation if she wants to or whatever, but she just doesn't feel secure. That's That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Like I always wonder, what does it take for someone to splurge on a, say, $2,000 bag? And yeah, well, like everyone has different attitudes towards money. There's a saying that it says like it takes one generation to make the money. It takes another generation <laughs> to s- save the money and the third generation to, to, to lose the money or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure. but <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I hope that's not true. I, have I hope so grandson. too. I hope so too. I have a new grandson and it's not that I'm counting on him to continue, but think he'd throw it all away <laughs> I don't think so I think it, it really it's really about the attitude towards money and well I that, think so 
I've discovered is, yeah, one of the things that I discovered is on the one hand, you, you repeat like the patterns that your parents taught you, but then if you have the awareness, you can also change that. I think that's true. And I was just going to say that something very connected to this. We uh, sometimes work closely with a, uh, he's a money psychologist. He has a PhD in psychology. He's very aware of money and the power of money, what he calls money stories. And he told the story about, about this couple who got married and it was, I think it was maybe her birthday and the husband was very excited to make her a CD or something of, of her favorite music. And he ran all over finding ancient records that he could transfer. And so he was so pleased with the gift. And she said, what is this? And she was not at all happy. And it turned out that reading them, he found out that every time her father would go on business trip. He would come back with a little gold chain for her. Well, and that's what she was expecting. But her husband's family was very creative. And to make something yourself and give it with love was the best thing you could do. This but is so mean. That's exactly how they each male. They weren't bad people and yeah, they were yeah. happily married otherwise. But they had never explored this. And they could have, if they hadn't met this psychologist, I would guess that they would live together for a long time and just be unhappy and not know what was bothering them, that they came from different families and different backgrounds, which really makes sense. It makes so much of sense. That's so true. That's exactly how I experienced it. In, in my, yeah, with my grandparents, they would always, every birthday would be a gift, like of a jewelry. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and yeah, I, it, it's, but I, I was, my husband and I did this course before we got married. So we understood those whole expectations of how traditions play in, in the future and at future celebrations and things like that. Well, that's excellent. <laughs> but I've now gotten over, okay, I don't need, I don't need jewelry every birthday. So it's cool. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Maybe every five years. <laughs> yeah. um, Let's talk about the pandemic. Are people losing money or making money? Like, what are the trends that you come across? People are spending money differently. They're not buying clothes for the office. They can't go to their favorite restaurants. Some yeah. people can't have trouble finding a place to vacation, or you yeah. know, they're going to see their grandparents, or but not the kind of vacation that costs a lot of money. And yet, my husband and I have a, a weekend home. And it had a leak. We stayed there during the pandemic and we replaced the whole roof because it had been 20 years and we didn't know when the roof was put in and they're supposed to last 20 years. So so that cost a lot of money, but it wasn't at our favorite restaurant and it wasn't a a cashmere sweater. So I think people are still, you've you've read a lot about people fixing up their homes, redoing their living room, their kitchen, whatever they feel like. So I do think People are spending money, probably not as much money in the economy as we would have liked for financial reasons, but I I think that coming back, but shopping differently, maybe not going into stores, but maybe shopping online a lot more. So I think it's changed and they may be buying more sweatsuits and less evening ball gowns. (laughs) (laughs) But they're, they're still shopping, it's still fun when a package arrives and you say, wow, Look what I got, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just just for the little bit of retail therapy, I, I bought. Yeah, I bought these metallic gold boots that I never wore. 
but I just knew that I needed to buy it. So that was crazy. That's very fun. A lot of people, I remember seeing somebody on television and his hair was so long that he started putting it in a, a ponytail and he was on television all the time. And so he didn't go for a haircut. So he wasn't spending, I don't know what that costs, where he lives, $60. I don't know what men's haircuts cost. So he wasn't. But I think people are back to doing certain things. They're being a little more selective. Like mm-hmm. I've heard people tell me, that they wouldn't go for a massage right now because they just don't feel comfortable with somebody, yeah. to, but they're having a manicure and having their hair done. I think everybody's picking what feels comfortable for them. I think money is getting back into circulation. With regards to investment tips, how do you educate? What would you advise a young person who has never invested before? Okay. So I would say that this is a a place you really have to do your homework. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get a feeling from a place you could walk into a store and say, I like all their clothes, I'm going to invest. But you really should look at the company who's the management who wants it may not be who you think at all. It may be owned by a super huge conglomerate, or maybe not, maybe it's a mom and pop store. So you really have to examine that part of it if you want to do it for profit, if you want to do it because you're really loyal to the company and it's fun, then, then just put a tiny amount into it. But the best thing is to have a very well diversified portfolio. Don't put all your money in the same place. Like a lot of people come to us and they say, look, I have 40 different things, pages of things, but they all sound like the same thing. So if that part of the economy gets hit by something, all 40 of their or most of them yeah. are likely go a little backwards for a while so it's better if you have some bigger companies some smaller companies some uh, high risk and some low risk for sure yes definitely all different kinds and maybe even a few bonds for stability even though they're not doing as well right now but different parts of the market do well at different times and it's been certainly true in this cycle. And so I wouldn't like somebody who was a serious saver, this is for my retirement, or this is for my kids' education, or whatever, to have everything in one place. That's taking a lot more. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't know how much risk they're taking. Has cryptocurrency affected the, yeah, has that uh, affected the, the financial asset sector? I think it has for a short while, but it is likely to go down as up. And I think that's very high risk. It certainly wouldn't be for our clients who are more on the conservative side. <laughs> so I know a lot of people are enjoying it, yeah. but we wouldn't buy it for our clients. Longevity risk. What's that about? That is scary. And it's good that you mentioned that people don't think about it. You know, I, I was just speaking to a woman the other day, and I guess she's about 60. And I said to her that we, when we started in business, we would say, let's see how you do until you're 90. And people would say, doing 90, I'm not going to live to the 90. <laughs> and she said, I know, that's just like me. My mother's 96, and she's going on vacations, and she's this. And the things have changed. Yeah. You don't want to outlive your money. We have a, a client now who's over 100. And we want to make sure his money lasts. He does not have oodles of money, but he has a little. But his needs have changed. Typically, if you're that old, you're going to spend some more money on health care. And so the money can disappear kind of fast in the last few years. And you just want to 
plan for that if you have longevity in your family or you're yeah. planning on a lot of my clients tell me I'm going to be around until whatever, <laughs> some great age. And so maybe they will and maybe they won't. And the good news is if they have enough money to get to 102, like my client, if they only get to 92, then whoever they left their money to will have the money, it won't be wasted. Or, you know? mm-hmm. But if it's, if you do live that long, you'll need it on the, on the bad side we had this client for years and years and she was such a sharp woman is so interesting and so much fun to be with but she was spending much more money than she could afford and it was our duty to say to her you should cut back a little and she was in her 90s and she said well I don't care because when I run out of money I'm going to go live in my son's basement well let me assure you when that came up her son didn't volunteer his basement oh my word Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Hey, friends. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, Just a quick announcement. We've got a new website out. I'm so excited to share this with you. Um, It's been months in the making. Um, Head over to www.thehypewoman.com. That's woman with E-N. Um, share it, like it, tell us what you think. And for those of you who thought about starting your own podcast, but you have no experience or no idea where to start, well, guess what? I'll be doing a workshop on the 15th of August on how to start your own podcast. So bring your questions. I'll share all the things that I've learned in the last year and head over to the website. There's more about the workshop on um, under online workshops. Um, Yeah, and I look forward to hearing more from you. So thank you for listening.